All right, award-winning TMG podcast in three, two. Hello, everybody. This is Tony Barnhart from TMG, from the media guys. Thank you for joining us yet again uh, for the for the, our weekly podcast. Lots of fun and frivolity as we have reached just the seventh or eighth week of the season. My good, it's just. That is just ridiculous. Uh, before we get to the show, where we call in our other uh, panel members, I want to say we want to thank our, our sponsor, APBA APTA, the unchallenged king of realistic, high-quality sports simulation products. Mark Blauschen has been an APTA client for a long, long time. So we want to thank them. We also want to thank David at Revelation Studios in lovely Mansfield, Texas. Uh, thank them because without them, we could not get this thing done. So, hey, let's call the roll from lovely situate uh, Massachusetts, the one, the only, the legend, Mark Blaschen. Mr. Blaschen, how are you today? I'm doing fine, Tony. How are you doing? That's fine. Let me go through the roll real quickly. From the Windy City, lovely Chicago, where I'm sure it's starting to get a bit nippy. Our Big Ten guy, Mr. Herb Gould. Mr. Gould, how are you? I'm just excited. We had some Big Ten football, and it feels like football season. Uh, indeed. And speaking of Big Ten football, the Rutgers. Charlotte Knights got off to a great start over the weekend with a big win over Michigan State. And from the great state of New Jersey, we welcome in, welcome in Mr. Tom Lucci. Mr. Lucci, how are you today, sir? Doing well, Tony. We're still partying in the streets of Piscataway. I can just imagine that they are. Well, guys, let's let's start at the top here. We, as Herb said, the Big Ten uh, is back. It's nice to have more people at the party. The Pac-12 will join us in uh, November, it looks like. Uh, but, Mark Blaston, let me start with you. What was your biggest takeaway from the weekend? Well, I think we talked about it. Just having the Big Ten being part of the other schedule made it seem like a normal weekend for the first time. I mean, with everyone, all, all the top teams are playing. I mean, ironically, the SEC kind of had, a, had an off week where a couple of teams had buys, and, and Florida had a problem with, with COVID-19. So the first time this season, it felt like a normal college football weekend. We had some great, we had some great entertainment from morning to night, uh, up and down, up and down the, uh, the calendar there. So I think that was the biggest part. It was normal. Herb Gould, what did you right there in Big Ten country? They, they, they got things going back, but any anything else that caught your eye over the course well, of the weekend? You know, Tony, I think it was it was really interesting to see how the Big Ten return would play out. I mean, we we heard all the hype about Ohio State, and, and they delivered. Uh, but the, the the big takeaway to me is we kind of Michigan and Penn State kind of traded places. I mean. Penn State stubs its toe at Indiana, and and Michigan comes up with a, a real blowout performance against a ranked Minnesota team. That you know, I don't know. I don't think any of us are going to say Michigan's going to beat Ohio State, but at least I, I think there's a little bit more of an uncertainty about how that game might go than there was before Saturday. So when you put Michigan and Wisconsin. Which also had a had a real impressive debut with, with a, a freshman quarterback, Graham Burks. I mean, you sort of set the table. I guess that's the, the big takeaway for me is we set the table for the Big Ten season with with Michigan looking like the chief rival in the East, and with Wisconsin looking like it can be a very competitive team 
if it gets to that point to play Ohio State. Very good. Well, th- this is a good time to plug Tom Lucci's. Uh, he does a week uh, recap for uh, si.com slash TMG, does a, does a weekly wrap-up uh, on what he saw. It is there right now at si.com slash TMG. Uh, Mr. Lucci, I mean, there's so much to talk about. We're going we're gonna to talk about the finish of the Penn State-Indiana uh, game in just a minute. But other than that, what – what struck your fancy during the course of the weekend? Well, again, Tony, I think keeping with the Big Ten theme, I, I think week one, there was a clear pecking order established. And I think it's Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin at the top, you know, about uh, four teams right after that in the second tier. And the rest don't look like they're going to have any you know, appreciable impact. Um, you know, Michigan State got off to a bad start. Illinois just looked horrible. against a good uh, Wisconsin team. Uh, Nebraska's going to struggle to win. Uh, Iowa losing to Purdue. Uh, like I say, I, I, to me, it was just the immediate clear separation. Uh, I'd be shocked if we don't see the Big Ten champion come from now, uh, after one game, mm-hmm. the trio of Ohio State, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. Well, let's, let's start here. Let's talk about the Indiana-Ohio State game. Um, the way that it ended, for folks who didn't see it, I mean, basically, Indiana coach Tom Allen let Penn State score to give him a chance to come back down the field to score uh, and and tie the game. And it, it was just an incredible finish. Bottom line, let, let's start here. Uh, Mark Blousen, you saw the ending of that game. You saw the two-point conversion try by the, uh, by the Indiana quarterback. Was that a good call? You know, I, I I don't know, Tony, because I mean, I looked at it like six times with everyone else, and I think, uh, you know, I was talking to, to Luce this morning, I, I I think if you would have called, called it the other way originally, that, that call would have been held up, but yep. it was so close, you couldn't you couldn't reverse the call, so it was it was, it was literally a quarter of an inch where that ball either crossed the plane before it came down or didn't. <laughs> And, that's, and 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 to see the split second is impossible. To see it even with with smoke with with a freeze frame is always impossible. So again, it's like jump ball, man. I I I think the original call held up because you couldn't reverse it because it wasn't enough uh, to right. go the other way. It was just too close, just too close to reverse it. You know, I, I think ultimately that was that was what the officials decided on the field. You you could see that. The football touched the ground but right before it hit the pylon. The question they raised is, did it actually break the plane? Who knows? But it wasn't enough to overturn it. Herb, let me ask you about the strategy to begin with. I mean, Tom Allen was obviously in Indiana. were not favored to win this game. They had not beaten a, a top-ten team in forever. Uh, he makes – they scored such a – he makes the decision to go for two and to end the game right there. What, why did why did Tom Allen make that decision? Well, I think, you know, the longer that goes out, the law of averages is against him, and they had momentum. I mean, I, I think it was – you know, it was a good, good call. I mean, when it works out, it's always a good call. Um, you know, Tony, the thing that, that I, I am really fascinated by in that football game is – how Penn State, you know, I mean, they gave, they had so many chances to put that game away. Three missed field goals, two ugly interceptions that led to scores. Uh, and yet, and with a minute and 47 left, they have the ball at the 14 yard line of Indiana. 
after Indiana turns the ball over on downs and, and Indiana is one timeout left. I think they probably could have taken a knee and, and it would have all been over. Uh, if not, there would have been just a few ticks left. And yet they, they ran the ball and everybody on that offense was told, do not score. But they mm. had a third string tailback in there. I don't want to, I don't want to get down on him because he reacted with instinct, went in. But if they just take the knee at the 14-yard line, I think that game is over. You know, I mean, that that to me is the biggest fascination of that game, not so much the controversy about whether the two-point conversion by Penix was good. No, well, it I, was, would, it was, I would agree with that, Herc. I, I just, you know, it's funny that you, you see Devin Ford, the running back who, who scored, Tony, and at about the six-yard line, he's looking around, and, and kind of senses that something's amiss. And then he <laughs> kind of tiptoes into the end zone, almost like he's trying to get back out. He crossed the line. If you watch the, the, the video, he, he crosses the goal line, and then he just realizes it's almost like he's trying to get back out. And the Indiana players are signaling touchdown. It's <laughs> a very, very bizarre scene to watch. You should watch the clips of that if you haven't seen it. Well, what was fascinating is the exact same thing happened uh, yesterday on Sunday in the Atlanta Falcons game, the, the Lions let the Falcons score with about a minute and a half left so they would get the ball back, and Matthew Stafford took them down the field and won the game on the last play of the game. So that yeah, that is a bizarre, bizarre feeling. One other thing that happened in the Big Ten over the weekend, uh, Graham Mertz, the quarterback of Wisconsin, 20 of 21, 248 yards against Illinois, but tested positive. Uh, and have that. Now, here, here's the thing, guys, and I, I want to get your take on this. We knew going into the season that the Big Ten was going to put some extra special qualifications on their return to play. One of those protocols was that if a player tests positive, he doesn't sit out 14 days, he sets out 21 days. That's the only conference that is doing the 21 day. Now, what has happened, Graham Mertz took a test after he's taken a uh, second test, which is uh, called a PCR, uh, and that's a much more uh, uh, accurate measure of it. My, let's start with you, Tom Lucci. What in the world is going to happen if Graham Mertz has to sit out three weeks for the Wisconsin Badgers? Well, they're, they're in a tough situation at quarterback, obviously, and uh, he was, like you say, he was very impressive. We had to see how that confirmation uh, comes back from that PCR test, and uh, it's like you say, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's a three week wait. And the funny thing is, I'm not sure. In, in the past, you would be able to say, "Oh, Wisconsin can get by with a game manager because their running game is is so dominant." I'm not sure that their running game is as dominant as it has been. You know, in recent years, they don't have that obviously that 2,000 yard rusher that they seem to have almost every year. Um, so that would be a concern. It's, it's, I'd have to look at their schedule. I don't know who they have coming up immediately, but, um, that could be, a, this could be a major, uh, a major blow to Wisconsin's big 10 title chances. Well, to answer your question, they've got, uh, <coughs> uh they've got their Wisconsin is at Nebraska Saturday, uh, Purdue at Michigan, Northwestern, Minnesota, Indiana, Iowa. So, you know, he could conceivably come back, and don't, don't forget, he would get that. He would, he could come back on that Saturday because he'd get an extra day because he played on a Friday. Got it, right? So he Good could point. actually come back on that on that third Saturday. 
Good point. As opposed to having yeah, I mean, it, it would Saturday. Yeah, I mean th- that would be a, a devastating blow. I mean, with, with Zach Cohen already out, right? With a, a, a after foot surgery, I mean, uh, the third quarterback is, is not going to be anybody with any experience. Uh, and Nebraska, you know, despite the the, the lopsided score at Ohio State, I, I thought they played you know much better than I expected. I mean, they they were they hung around in that game for longer than I, than I would have thought. Their defense was there. They just they just kept kind of a putt putt offense. They get behind the chains and they got problems. But I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna prove to be a, a better opponent than we might have expected. So, yeah, that's a tough deal for Wisconsin. There's no question, especially, you know, I mean, how many teams in the country can get to their third quarterback and not feel a fall off? Well, Herb, what about the transmission, too? I mean, he's been on the team. If he's positive, how many other players have it? And and then what happens if you get into a situation where, uh, you know, you have to quarantine 30 players? Uh, that, well, that, that, to me, it's the fallout from this as well. Oh yeah. Well, that's where Florida. That's where Florida's been the last two weeks. You know, Florida. Florida hasn't played for a couple of weeks, and they'll, they'll finally play Saturday against Missouri. But they had twenty-five. They had twenty-five positive tests. Yeah, I, I. You know, it's just it's hard to understand. I mean, without knowing all of it, because I, it's just been you know the, there's been a surge going on in in Wisconsin, and I I, I just think that. I, I want to see, you know, I want to see if this turns out to be sort of a Nick Saban situation before I start getting yep. too hypothetical about it, because false positives are, are not rare, as as we know. So, yeah, I mean, the, the the consequences are just unfathomable with the extra 21 day rule and no buys. I, I don't even know how you sort that out. Right. All right. Let's let's move on to some uh, headlines around the around the country, other other conferences. Let's start. Let's start with the Southeastern Conference. As as Mark Blashen said, it was a it, it was only four games this weekend because of postponements and games that are being moved. They have they're back to a full schedule this week. But uh, the, to me, the number one story is uh, Alabama lost the best football player they have in Jalen Waddle on the opening kickoff, basically broken ankle. He's done for the season. Now they have a lot of depth in Devontae Smith and, and Melchie, John Melchie. And they've, they've got plenty of players and Mac Jones is playing lights out, but Mark Lash and I'll start with you. Uh, that you hate to see a great, great player like that lost for the season. You do. And then, and then, and and, 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 and it happened, it happens every year. It seems at Alabama, but the problem, the, the the thing that Alabama has going for it is it's next man up. I mean, they, like you said, wide receiver is the one position where there's enough talent on that roster where I mean they won't be devastated by it. They'll bring someone someone will become a star over the next five or six weeks at Alabama as a wide receiver. I mean, that's just the way it's been every year, and that's the way it continues to be. So it's, it's it hurts them, and it evens the, evens the playing field a little bit. I don't think it's a devastating loss for Alabama. I think they'll recover and 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 I don't want to say thrive, but they'll certainly survive. Here's something that's interesting during the course of that game. That uh, at halftime, uh, Nick Saban told Jamie Erdahl of, of CBS Sports uh, that he was lo- that Waddle was lost for the season. He obviously was uh, upset by it. But here's something that ha- interesting happened that later on in the game. Remember we talked about last week. Mac Jones was going for his fourth consecutive 400-yard passing season. Never never been done at Alabama. 
that would have set the school record. Mac Jones got up to 387 yards, and Saban pulled him. I think Saban pulled him because uh, he just he couldn't. The idea of him getting hurt when the game was well in hand, uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was interesting. But uh, Alabama, uh, Alabama is. Uh, uh, in a very interesting situation, they are, they they are difficult to beat. They play Mississippi State this week, and then they get a week off before they play LSU, and they'll roll against Mississippi State. Also in the SEC, Auburn won a game they absolutely had to win, 35-28. Uh, and her goal, guess what? Auburn had, was the beneficiary of yet another officiating call. How about that? Yeah, and and uh, very clutch finish by uh, Bo Nix. I mean that, you know that they were down twenty eight twenty seven with under two minutes, and and had to go pretty good distance on the field. I thought he, you know, he he's kind of got a reputation for not getting it done uh, this year, and 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 that was a very impressive performance to get it done in that situation. Well, it, it really was, and that was a game that Gus Malzahn had to win, and they did it by running the football instead of throwing it. So, here, guys, here was the game in the SEC that shocked me the most. Kentucky, after all they have done to this point, they didn't just get beat by Missouri. They got dominated. Missouri had 421 yards to 145 for Kentucky, and we've got a point now Kentucky – may make a quarterback change this week against Georgia. Uh, Joey Gatewood, a transfer from Auburn. So keep keep the eye on that. That that was totally, totally unexpected. Last thing I'll say about the SEC, LSU may have found a quarterback. Uh, T.J. Finley placed, came in in the place of Miles Brennan, who sat out with an abdominal injury. He had a tremendous game, and they dominated South Carolina 42-21, to which we did not expect. So let's move on to the ACC. Mark Lauschen, let me ask you about your alma mater, the Miami Hurricanes. They they struggled to beat Virginia. Virginia is a hard team to play. But I'm sitting here, you know, Miami's sitting here at five and one. I think five and one with a loss to Clemson, not too bad. It's, it's not bad, and 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 statistically, they're fine. I mean, they 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 did what they're supposed to do, and they should. They weren't expected to beat Clemson. They didn't beat Clemson. You know, I mean, so so. But but here's here's what I see. I, I I don't I don't see it. I don't see the magic yet. I see a team that could get in, on any game they play the rest of the season. They lose. I will go. Okay, they're not they're not back yet. But statistically, they're they're, they're there. I mean, I, I think I, I think they're they're getting they're climbing a mountain, but they're still all, all, you know a, a big group to climb now. Now the, the here's the deal: is they're done with Clemson, so they can. They can if they went out. I mean, they can very well be in a championship game because the because there's no divisions this year, and the SEC, ACC goes with two of the highest percentage teams. So we might have a Miami Clemson rematch uh, in the championship game because uh, you know uh, Notre Dame has to get past Clemson, has to get past North Carolina, North Carolina's sitting there. So this is a lot to go. But 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 Miami is like I would say halfway there. Well, here's the rest of the Miami schedule. At NC State, at Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech at home, at Wake Forest, North Carolina at home. The North Carolina game is going to be huge down the edge if they keep if they keep winning. Let me let's turn to Notre Dame. Herb Gould, I thought with Pittsburgh's uh, defense, they they lead the nation in rushing defense. Notre Dame's struggle 
had struggled to throw the ball effectively. Uh, I thought this game might be closer than it was. After Notre Dame beats Louisville 12-7, to we're scratching our heads. They hang 45 on Pittsburgh. What, what went on with the fighting Irish on that? Well, you know, Tony, you are not alone. I mean, I, I, I thought that Pittsburgh would show up a lot more, and I think a lot of uh, national experts did. Uh, what happened, I think, really was that Notre Dame kind of hit its stride. Ben Skronik, the, the Northwestern transfer receiver, who's who's a big target. He's not real. He's not the fastest guy compared to what they've had there. He got he got loose, and I think they just wore him down because Pittsburgh had absolutely no offense, and Notre Dame kind of put some things together after really not not only you know struggling in that most recent ACC game, but not it didn't really light anybody up in any of its previous three ACC wins. So you know you look at Notre Dame now and you say yeah that's a little better that's a better performance. I still don't see how they match up with Clemson, but on the other hand, that Notre Dame is in good company there because there's only about three or four teams in the nation, I think, that I would see having a, a chance against a Clemson. But as long as Notre Dame keeps moving on like this, uh, they'll be able to go out and see what they can do. Well, we will be talking more next week about the, this game. Clemson goes to Notre Dame. Clemson, I'm not going to say they had a little scare. All I know is it was 20, 27 to 21 in the second half, and then Clemson sort of hit its stride and put the game away, 47 to to 21. Uh, let me just let me ask this question, Tom Lucci, having lived in that part of the world, what in the world is going on at Syracuse? Why are they so bad? Well, uh, first of all, they have issues at quarterback. That's the first thing. And for the school with a great running back tradition, they don't have a reliable running back. And I'm not sure that uh, Dino Babers has done a, a very good job recruiting because you just don't see the talent. I mean, it's just uh, defensively they can they can be good at times, but they're inconsistent. And I don't know. And it, 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 the shame is too is because after all these years, Tony, of being in the Carrier Dome when it had no air conditioning. Named after an air conditioning company, they finally got air conditioning this year. Yeah. <laughs> so you know they should be at least enjoying the atmosphere a little bit. It's going to be climate controlled. Uh, you know they're just they're just not any good on offense. And and, and like I say, it stems from the quarterbacks. They have you know uh, Tommy DeVito is just uh, all over the place. Um, you know he re- reminds me a little bit of Jarek Guarantano, and and not just because they're both Jersey quarterbacks. Oh. Uh, they're just so mistake prone and they, and they just don't make good decisions and that bogs everything down. No. Well, that's, uh, that's got the place that has too great a tradition to be, they may not always be good, but they shouldn't be this bad. Let's just put it, put it that way. All right, let's go to the big 12 here. All right, Mark Blashen, I'm going to put it straight to you. Okay. Oklahoma state beat Iowa state. They're still undefeated. Are you buying Oklahoma state? Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, 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 brought it out. I, 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 Kansas State might be a factor now. I mean, I, I don't know. This is, this is, this is one of the things where if you throw out, you throw out Texas and Oklahoma as, as the leading contenders, then I think you got three, those three teams. I mean, if any one of those three teams, I, even Iowa State could, can jump back into the fray, even though, I mean, they're, uh, they're, they're a little bit further down in the pack. 
but 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 I I I think it's it's wide open. I mean, and and I I and don't think that 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 Texas and Oklahoma and 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 Oklahoma aren't going to have some say in the matter uh, for the rest of the season, even though they're not in the top spot. They they're they're capable of winning beating any of those teams again. They play them, so I don't know. Who they got left on, on those schedules, but I think there's there's losses in that conference. I'll tell you, Blount, the Oklahoma State's next three are Texas, at Kansas State, at Oklahoma. So there you go. They can be 0 3. There you go. You know, there's no point in making a judgment on them now. We'll know in, in three games. No, right. no doubt. And here, here's the thing about Kansas State they're 4 and 1, but their one loss is to Arkansas State in the opener. You know, and they, and since then, they have beaten Oklahoma, Texas Tech. They've beaten TCU and and uh, obviously they beat in Kansas. So, yeah, they, they've got at West Virginia this week, Oklahoma State at home, Iowa State on the road, Baylor on the road, and Texas. Wow. You know what? The winner of that conference is going to have two losses. Yeah. Quite well, yeah, if you say that, I mean, the other, the other thing about the Big 12 is that if they're talking about the, the football playoff, I, I think they need Oklahoma State to run the table, and, and I agree with you guys. That, that does not look likely at all with those next three games coming up. But, I mean, you, you, you I'm looking at it, and I'm seeing you got a, the next best team is a, uh, in terms of record is a one-loss Kansas State. I don't know that Kansas State moves the playoff needle. I mean, they, they really – it's almost Oklahoma State or bust for the Big 12 in terms of, of the playoff as far as I'm concerned. Well, I, I think yeah, I think I think the Big Twelve winners can play in the Cotton Bowl, and, and they'll play in the playoff game, but they won't be a, a Final Four team. I don't think no matter what happens, I, I think they're going to. But there's some major upsets along the road in the other conferences. I think they're, they're slated for, for the Cotton Bowl uh, spot. Well, I mean, it's it's not even a discussion if, if the Big Twelve, if it's not Oklahoma, an undefeated Oklahoma State. To me, it's not a discussion as to whether or not the Big Twelve gets in. Uh, yeah, we you can have a discussion of Oklahoma State runs the table, but if the if the if the if the Big Twelve champ is, has one loss, I don't I don't see it. So that transitions us to here. This this is a good segue. If we had to pick today, you could you could project down the road, but what do you think? What is your final four? My final four right now is is the SEC champ Alabama, the ACC champ Clemson, the Big Ten champ Ohio State. And either Notre Dame, if Notre Dame loses to Clemson and doesn't play them again, a one-loss Notre Dame, uh, a one-loss SEC runner-up, and what? Well, let, right, let me throw this out to the game. Those are my four. Can Cincinnati get into this discussion? Tom Lucci, can Cincinnati get into this discussion? Well. They can get into the conversation, I think, Tony. But part of the problem is, um, you know, the, the two non-conference games, you know, that, that they started this yep. season are not going to help them. I mean, Austin P is not going to help them. And, and as good as Army is, Army the first team, by the way, to accept the bowl bid at six and one. I mean, but we know what Army plays and what the, you know uh, what it's about. Uh, that was a little bit of a struggle. This is the first time I, against SMU that I thought Cincinnati was impressive. You know, so uh, I don't know. I mean, like I say, beat South Florida, Boston, Army. I don't know. I, I just don't know that there's enough quality to that schedule. Now, the SMU yep. win does help. They have Memphis, and they still have to play UCF. Uh, is that enough? I, I'm, I'm not sure, because then they'd also have to be uh, play one of those teams again, uh, probably Memphis or SMU, uh, in, in the championship game. So they would be 11-0. I just... 
I don't see them getting any higher than that six eight area. Right. Well, well, you know, I would just say this is as close as the group of five has been. Because if you look at it, I mean, you, I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, well, Notre Dame, all right, they're going to play Clemson. They possibly might play them twice. I mean, is it better for Notre Dame if they just have the, the one Clemson game and then and then uh, Miami or North Carolina ends up in, in that number two slot? I, I, and then you look at, you know, the SEC scenario where Georgia has to beat Alabama in the championship game. Yeah, I, mean, I think Cincinnati – sitting unbeaten, especially with what the American has done this year, as much more of a, of a case than we've ever seen for a group of five. Right. I, 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 listen, I'm, not, I'm just, he asked me how, if I saw it, and here's the other one, too. Well, what if Wisconsin and Ohio State are both unbeaten when they meet in the field goal game in the, in the Big Ten championship? Mm-hmm. You don't think the runner-up in the Big Ten will get some consideration? I, yep. I do. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, here, and here's the other scenario. What if what if Clemson loses at Notre Dame? You know, right. Clemson loses at Notre Dame, turns around and beats Notre Dame in the in the ACC championship game in Charlotte. So Clemson would be in by virtue of being the ACC champ. Notre Dame would have a win <laughs> over Clemson, and that that's the way the ACC could get two teams in. So there's a lot of football to be played. Mark Blaschen. Who's your final four as we sit here today? Well, I, I kind of agree with you, but here, here, this is this see, this is what this is Notre Dame's nightmares coming up. If they had stayed as an independent and, and just played say six or even eight ACC games, they could have beaten they could have beaten Notre Dame and been undefeated, and they would have been they would have been locked for for, for the spot. But now, like we talked about, if, if so, let's say they, the game's in South Bend, so that's Clemson could certainly lose at South Bend, but then three weeks later, you know. Uh, they have, or a month later, they have to go out to, to, to play and beat that Clemson, presumably Clemson again. That's 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 a catch twenty two situation for Notre Dame. They yep. they they could, like you said, they could win in South Bend and lose the SEC championship game. I don't, I just don't think that given that given that certain circumstances, and what is something bizarre, I, I don't think uh, a, a team coming off a loss can 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 like, like Notre Dame. I don't think they can afford. To, to, to get a loss and still be in the, in the final four, I think an SEC team can do it. Uh, and they, like like Lucy said, I, I think I think Wisconsin or Ohio State could do it in the narrow game. I don't I don't know if Notre Dame may might be doing that, but I, I don't think so. Yep. Yeah. Well. And, yeah. And again, the the SEC the road for the SEC is pretty simple now that Alabama's dominating their side of the league. Uh, they would have to meet. Georgia would have to run the table. They could. They could not afford another loss. Georgia would have to run the table and then beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Georgia would, would then get in as the SEC champ. Alabama would have only one loss, and as as was the case in uh, 2017, uh, the SEC could get two teams in. So I think I, 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 we've just played out a scenario where the SEC could get into, the ACC could get into. And the Big Ten could get into, and I think that is fascinating. Well, as we sit here and wrap it up, I'm looking ahead to games, uh, games on the schedule that that could catch your attention. All of a sudden, Herb Gould, that that Penn State, that Penn State Ohio State game, college game days going there, but Penn State's coming off a loss. Penn State, any shot at home against the Buckeyes? You would not think so. Uh, you know, you would not think so. In fact, I'm, I'm getting a 
a column ready for that, you know, the fallout from Penn State's loss. Uh, on the other hand, you know, Ohio State stumbled at Iowa. They stumbled at Purdue in recent years. Um, you know, I, I just I don't think there's any way that can happen. But meanwhile, you know, the the scenarios are narrowing for the Big Ten. I mean, a loss for Ohio State there after Penn State has lost really becomes a, a very heavy weight on, on the Big Ten's hopes for any national attention. Uh, I, I don't I don't see it. We didn't you know, Penn State is is pretty banged up to say the least at running back. Uh, that wasn't a stellar set of looks by quarterback Clifford. Uh, defensively, they gave up that late touchdown to go, to send it to overtime. I mean, you don't see, you just don't know. I guess it's the short version. Ohio State is going to be a prohibitive favorite on Saturday. This the the game that jumps off at you from the Big Twelve uh, that we just talked about. If you, Texas goes to Oklahoma State, Tom Lucci, can Texas win at Oklahoma State? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, if Rock Purdy had played better, uh, you know, against Oklahoma State last weekend, uh, Iowa State could have won that game. I'm not again. Uh, uh, Oklahoma State's not one of those teams that dazzles you, Tony. They just kind of grind away. Great running back, solid quarterback play, very good defense. They grind away. But if I if I, I may digress, the game for me that holds the most interest this week, to be honest with you, Indiana at Rutgers. The yeah. winner is going to be 2-0 <laughs> in the Big Ten heading into November. I love it. How about that? I love it. When was the last time Rutgers or Indiana could be thought of as being unbeaten in the Big Ten going into November? But I will say this. A word of caution to the Rutgers fans out there. There, there are a couple. The last time they opened by beating Michigan State the season was 2004. The next week, they laid an egg at home and lost to New Hampshire, whose offensive coordinator at the time was Chip Kelly. So just keep that in mind. But to me, that's a very intriguing game about two programs trying to rise back up. And Rutgers just broke a 21-game Big Ten losing streak, you know, in, in Greg Ciano's second return. Well, well not, not to put a damper on it, but that is a really bad Michigan State team. Yes. And that was a bad – yes, that's a bad Michigan State team. I don't think the one they beat in 2004 was any good either because Rutgers finished 4-7 and seven that year. They opened the season by beating Michigan State and, and wound up 4-7. and seven. So, yes, I agree with you. That's not a good I, – I watched a good portion of that game. That's not a good Michigan State team. But how do you, how do you really gauge a team when they have seven turnovers? I mean, well, that's that's a yeah. I mean, there's a there is a we we may not want to get too in depth about it right now, but we got a very very long rebuild at Michigan State, which is unfortunate because Mark D'Antonio had built a very consistently successful program, and yet that cupboard is really bare on a lot of fronts. Hmm. Hate to hear that. Let me let me before we wrap it up, let me point out a couple of games in the SEC to keep your eye on. Georgia at Kentucky. I think Georgia will win this game, but Georgia's not supposed to be playing Kentucky this week. They're supposed to have an off date before they play Florida. But with all the COVID problems, uh, they had to juggle Florida's schedule, and both Florida and Georgia lost their open date. Georgia always plays poorly on the when they do play uh, the week before Florida. So that after what Kentucky went through, uh, it may be a moot point because of the problems uh, moving the ball, but keep your eye on that game. The other game to keep an eye on is Arkansas at Texas A&M. 
Uh, Arkansas had a week off. Uh, they've gotten off to a good start in the Sam Pittman, Texas A&M. Uh, it's three and one. This game was supposed to be played at Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. They moved it to campus because of COVID, so the game's at Texas A&M. Sam Pittman uh, should get some early votes for Coach of the Year, so keep your eye on that one. Well, gentlemen, I think that's going to put a wrap on it today. Another award-winning podcast and the guys at TMG. Uh, before we go, we want to thank our sponsor, APA, APBA, the Unchallenged King, a realistic, high-quality sports simulation product. Also, again, want to thank David at Revelation Studios located in Mansfield, Texas. Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thank you for your time. We'll have a lot to talk about next week with some monster games, Georgia, Florida, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. Until then, folks, thanks for tuning in. Go to tmsi.sportsillustrated.tmg, okay? si.com slash tmg to read all the stuff that we're writing. Until next time, you take care and carry on.